The Viridian Nutrition range of 200 plus award-winning products includes vitamins, minerals, herbs, nutritional oils, specialty supplements, tinctures and balms. All formulated to be helpful, efficacious and pure. By choosing our Viridian Nutrition range, you are one step closer to your goal of 100% wellness. Ethical vitamins with an organic heart. Available at all Browns outlets. Browns and you. There are billions of women passing through similar experiences all around the world and for whatever reason, we often feel like we're alone. It's time to make a point of discussing these topics from a range of viewpoints. These conversations surpass age, race, location. They are relevant to women everywhere. Welcome to The She Word. Conversations that women rarely have, but really should. Now here on the Wishy Word, not only do we have conversations that women rarely have but really should, but we also like to tell stories and share people's journeys through interview. My guest on this interview special is no stranger to the she word, nor is she a stranger to me. I first interviewed Emily several years ago when I was about a year into producing another podcast called The Interviewer. More recently, Emily Jones, or Miss Jones as she's known on Instagram, has been a guest on the follow-up interview, but also the last show of the last season of the she word, Women in Adult Entertainment. Why would I be interviewing Emily again, you might ask? Well, as a brief recap, Maltese English Emily was living in London back in the days before COVID when she was diagnosed with the excruciating and debilitating conditions, acute arthritis and fibromyalgia. These conditions were so severe, Emily found herself literally disabled. As I mentioned, this all happened long, long before COVID was even heard of. And despite holding a prestigious London City job, working from home was not an option. Emily found herself not only in pain, but also without a job. And on top of that, when things really couldn't get any worse, Emily was also told that her mum had a cancer diagnosis. So Emily up sticks, came back to Malta to be with her parents. And as a testimony to Emily's resilience, she turned to OnlyFans and built herself a plus-size profile, literally, establishing herself as one of the top 1% of content creators. And this is where I picked up the story the first time round. And then, about a year after this beautiful interview, Emily posted that her mum had passed away and literally disappeared. Just over a year after that, Emily Jones comes back onto Instagram with a big smile in a blue bikini. And I quickly jumped onto the comms to ask if Emily was okay and if I could interview her to find out more about the more recent remarkable story. Well, just before Christmas, we recorded a second equally moving, tearful and powerful interview. And I'd recommend to anybody, go and have a look, watch or listen on YouTube or Spotify. Now, one of the stories you shared, Emily, in that interview really resonated with me and thousands of she-worders. In fact, the clip is the most liked clip that we've ever had on the she-word. You told the story about being in Croatia with your girlfriends and at the time you're feeling bad about your physique and about your size and you pulled yourself up telling yourself to get on with life and you go on to say, and I paraphrase, but you said, wherever you are in your journey with yourself, live now because life is a gift. So when we spoke a few weeks ago, I had a niggle that you were up to something. And I said to you, where are you now with your journey? And when you told me, I knew, I just knew what you were doing. So I asked you, can we come back? Can we interview this about this? Can we talk about this? So I'm going to just... First of all, thank you for coming back. <laughs> thank it's you so, for having it's me. It's so cool to hang out Always with you Always a pleasure. Thank you. And let's start with you telling me where you are now with your journey. Yes. Because for me, it's quite, quite evident where you are. 
Yes, I suppose um, the biggest change since I saw you last is that I finally made the decision to have gastric bypass surgery, which is a weight loss surgery, surgery, uh, bariatric surgery. So I came to Malta and had the surgery done here uh, about five weeks ago now. So it's still super early days, but yeah, that's uh, quite a change. It's been quite a change. Well, I mean, I've got to say there's so many questions there's so many questions about you there's so many questions about you and what you do Mm. and also I know that there's a lot of things that we want to talk about this kind of life change in the context of who you are and your persona before we get there Mm. I want to just delve into this gastric bypass surgery yes what is it Gastric bypass is a weight loss surgery uh, bariatric surgery there are a few different types of weight loss surgeries that you can have. There's a gastric sleeve, a balloon. Um, People do have the sleeve done, but the balloon is a little bit considered to be a little bit outdated these days. But gastric bypass is what they would call the gold standard of weight loss surgeries. And that's what I've had done. So it basically, uh, without getting too technical about it, but it's... No, no, be technical. Bring it on, bring it on. (laughs) I'm not sure I'm the right person um, to have that conversation, but it's essentially re-jigging your stomach, making your stomach a lot smaller and then sort of reattaching part of it (laughs) in a different way so that you bypass a big part of, a large part of the stomach and that you won't use anymore basically after the gastric bypass surgery, if that makes any sense. But essentially it makes your stomach a lot smaller. So obviously that's going to have a big change in terms of what you can eat and how much you can eat, which is really where the weight loss element comes in. But besides that, it also gives people who are obese or have morbid obesity the opportunity to reset their hunger hormones and their stomach hormones, which is a physiological change that comes about with the surgery that I think a lot of people aren't so aware of. And I think it's very important to to show people or to let people know that when you are at a certain weight and want to try to lose weight, that whilst there's a certain amount of things that you can do on your own, it does become extremely difficult and it kind of feels that your body is working against you, trying to kind of keep you at that higher weight. So weight loss becomes very difficult. Keeping the weight off is even more difficult as somebody who's been up and down in weight more than a yo-yo. It's a surgery that will be certainly life-changing for weight management. Well, you've already answered my next question, which right. is why do that instead of going on a diet? Yes. I want to delve a little, you said something just a second ago. I've mm. never heard of this before. Yes. Hunger hormones. Yes, that's right. What, what so is that? it's um, to do with the physiological, physiological aspects of being obese and having morbid obesity that you release certain hunger hormones that would be different in somebody who's average sized or normal sized. Um, So you kind of have the cards stacked against you. So whereas people often have this idea that overweight people are, you know, gluttons, lazy, you know, don't take care of themselves and so on. There are certain biological aspects to it that need to be taken into consideration as well. I've never heard that. Yes, it's quite, um, it's something that I would be quite interested in learning a bit more about myself obviously have been learning about it through this journey um but I think it's something that people need to take into account so you're not the first person that we've had on the she word that's had this procedure right we did a show I think it was back in season two uh we're talking about body modification right and Teresa Anna came on and she said something very similar to you she didn't mention the hunger hormones mm. but she said basically when you get to a point weight loss is really hard yeah, because yeah. your body wants to stay yes. at that weight. Yeah, that's right. It's really hard, almost impossible. Um, certainly you can maybe get to a certain point where you've lost some weight, but for me personally, that weight would still be overweight. You know, if I lost 20 kilos from my highest weight, I would still be considered to be very overweight. Um, and also it's very hard to keep it off. 
very hard to keep it off. The body is constantly fighting back, trying to get back up to that higher weight. So it does become quite a tough battle. I'm not saying that people can't do it, but it's extremely difficult. So many questions. Mm. Um, before we go into the the how you got there and and this journey that you're on yes, right now, yes. I just want to touch again on this procedure yeah. because it is invasive. Mm. And I want to just find out, I spoke to you, I mean, like I say, we spoke yes. and you told me that you were having gastric bypass yeah. and I was like, I knew it. Yeah. I, somehow I knew it from the last time we spoke. You mentioned that you were going to be here doing something and yes. I said, I wonder if that's what it is. Yeah. We also spoke shortly after mm. your surgery and we were talking about what you could and couldn't do because yes. right after the surgery, what you can take on board what you can consume is very very limited yes isn't it? it's I mean it's a very harsh process and I think people have the wrong idea thinking that weight loss surgery is the easy way out I mean you hear this so many times but I think it's actually a lot more difficult physically and mentally also than people realize so in terms of what in terms of recovery I actually found the recovery from the from the procedure to actually be quite straightforward in terms of pain and so on. I found it to be very manageable. Um, I'm not sure if I'm alone in that, but I certainly found it to be a lot easier than I was expecting. I thought I'd be, uh, you know, in bed for a lot longer, but no, I was up and out quite quickly after the surgery, which was a surprise to me. The most difficult thing is the food and what you can and can't have. Uh, you know, it's a very strict process of what you're allowed to eat and reintroducing certain foods into the diet. And as I say, I'm only five weeks out of surgery, so I'm still very much learning, but you know, you, you do learn as you're, as you're going along. You start out, actually, I would say that maybe the most difficult part of the whole process is the pre-op diet that you have to do. So you have to do a liver reducing diet for a couple of weeks before the surgery. Um, that's to make sure that your liver is softer, smaller and more easy to kind of move out of the way and to manipulate during the procedure. So it's quite an important part. You know, you want obviously if it's this type of surgery, it's an elective surgery. You want to make sure that you're putting yourself in the best position mm. for the surgery to go as smoothly as possible. Mm. Um, so it is something that you can do to make sure that you're making it as easy for the doctors as possible. Um, but it's very difficult. You have to do it. For, for me, it was two weeks. For some people, it depends on your BMI. It depends on where you hold weight. I don't hold so much weight around my stomach, so I didn't have to do it for quite so long. Um, maybe people who are even more overweight than myself might have to do it for a longer period of time. But essentially, it's a very low calorie diet. And you kind of have to just wake up one day and get on with it. Whereas obviously after the surgery, you do have the tool to help you with the hunger and, and that element of it. But you have to kind of wake up and almost act as though you've already had the surgery before you've even have it, had it. So I found that to be quite a difficult part of the process, but very good mental prep as well. And I do think that if somebody's going in for a surgery like this, you need to make sure that you're aware of all of the consequences and what type of procedure it is, what kind of lifestyle you're going to have afterwards, and also to be fully committed to the process and not feeling that you've been strong armed into it and mm. kind of that it's something you have to do. Um, I think that's the wrong attitude to have because I think in that case you're going to be trying to find ways to sort of cheat the system, to get round the tool of the bypass and really you want to be going into things with a positive attitude that this is something that you really want to do and want to succeed with. Well, obviously you are winning because it's evident already mm. and you've already, I mean, I'm assuming right from the outset had and your pre-op. Yes. Um, diet that you you'd started losing weight, you started getting yes, into that, that yeah. weight loss. So we can talk about the weight loss as I said. We can talk about that in a second. Yeah, sure. Before I still just want to ask you a couple yes. of questions about the procedure. Yeah. So first of all, is it safe? 
I think so. I think so. I mean, I certainly felt very confident with my team in Malta. That's why I decided to do the procedure in Malta. Um, I did investigate a few other avenues into having it done. Um, Initially, I was the idea for me having the surgery came about initially because I was referred for it through the NHS, through my doctors in the UK. Um, So I did start going through the procedure and the process with the UK through the NHS. And over there, they're very focused on making sure that you're educated about the procedure and that they give you the psychological and mental support that's needed. And that's very important part of the process. You know, it's not just like a magic switch and all of a sudden your all of your issues around food and eating have disappeared. Mm -hmm. A lot of people I mean, I don't feel that I personally have such a complex psychological relationship with food, but obviously a lot of people who struggle with their weight do suffer from emotional eating and and binge eating and things like that. So it's important to make sure that those are being dealt with as well. Um, So I went through the process with the NHS in the UK, had education sessions, um, assessments with psychologists and so on. And then it sort of got to the point where I was at my final Um, I was just going in for my first and final face-to-face appointment with the surgeon so that I could properly be approved and put on the list for the surgery. Mm -hmm. And from that point, it was going to be, they sort of said, a year minimum to one and a half years for the surgery. So I kind of just felt that I'd sort of waited long enough. I'd been thinking about it for a very long time at that point um, and decided to take things into my own hands and do it privately. Um, I looked at doing it privately in the UK. It's very expensive. Mm. On the other on the other end of the scale, I looked at going to Turkey and having it done, which is a very common thing. Mm. A lot of Maltese ladies are going to Turkey at the moment to have their gastric bypass done. Um, you know, very affordable. But I'd heard a lot in the news recently about people not having such great experiences, so I decided that didn't sit right with me. And then somewhere in the middle at a more affordable price, but then giving me a little bit of that kind of peace of mind of being at home in Malta and being able to obviously be seen by doctors who I know here and so on. It just kind of seemed to make the most sense to me to pay a little bit more than having it done in Turkey to have the comfort and the peace of mind of having it done in Malta. So that's why I decided to to do it here. But I had an awful lot of time mulling the idea over um, I would say over the last, let's say over the last year or so, okay. kind of the seed was planted. And then I kind of started to think about whether it would be something right for me. Saw the doctor in Malta, saw, spoke to the doctors in the UK. So I felt that I was going into it from an, from an educated standpoint. And what happens from here? Because obviously you have a goal. We're going to talk about, again, talk about the goals in a mm. second. But is it then... Is the surgery reversed? It, it once you've re- no. reached, it, it, you this is it. This is no. There's not really um, a reversal for this kind of surgery, but over time, basically, what they tell you is that you have, what anybody will tell you is that you have one a, a real year to lose the weight. That's kind of when the tool of the surgery is working its absolute best. Your hormones have been reset. Your stomach is the smallest it's going to be. And over time, the stomach will kind of start to Mm. expand a little bit more. So it's important to kind of try to utilize the tool of the surgery as best you can and get the most weight loss that you can within that first year when it's really working the best. Eventually, after about, I think they put it normally say about two years, the effects of the surgery start to kind of wear off and you start to, most people start to be able to kind of eat a normal diet again. Um, at about that mark. So you do have to be careful. It's definitely something that needs to be maintained. I think that's also a a common misconception that once you've had the weight loss surgery, you're never going to gain any weight back and that it's just going to be easy for you from there on out. But the reality is that something like 30 to 40% of people put back quite a significant amount of weight from their lowest point post-op. So it is something that you need to keep up with. But personally, I feel that as somebody who's kind of had ups and downs with my weight many, many times over the years, I know that as somebody prone to weight gain, even if I sort of just dieted and got down to a low weight, that I would have to kind of be watching my weight forever to kind of, you know, I'm sure lots of people know exactly what I'm talking about, that, you know, the struggle is always there. So I'm pretty sure 
most women who yes. are watching this or listening to this will very mm. happily identify with that. Yes, that is not exactly. something that's unique. Yeah. So I kind of feel that that would be something that I would have to do even if I lost the weight. So let's say naturally, um, you know, it's something that you've got to keep up with and keep on top yeah. of anyway. So something that I'm kind of prepared for, but it's something to bear in mind. Well, Emily, that's the what. Yes. That's the big news. That's the what. That's yes. what I got super excited about. Um, and I want to now look into kind of more of the backstory to mm. this and everything else mm. that's going on. And we've chatted about this a little bit, but I think there are many people that will be mistaken for thinking that you encourage mm -hmm. this plus size life. Yeah. This is where you came in on social media. Mm. It's where you came mm. in on OnlyFans and you built that life, but you also built that life because you were also dealing with these debilitating mm. conditions, yes. which obviously had a physical effect on yes. you as well. Yeah. But in actual fact, this is not true. You've never encouraged a plus size life. Your size, as I've mentioned, was symptomatic and related to other health, mm. health issues that you were facing. In the last interview, you clearly state, and, and go and listen to this, because you clearly state that you are not encouraging mm. anyone to be plus size or obese no. or whatever. No. You say, don't wait until you are where you want to be mm. to mm. start living. Start living and you'll get where you want to be. Yeah. That is what you stated so clearly yes. in that interview. But where does this life change leave you as a plus size content creator? Because I'm I'm guessing that, you know, this really is how you're known. Yes. Well, thank you for highlighting that point. I have to say that of all the comments that I receive, the ones that bother me the most are comments about how I'm promoting obesity or promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. I find it really irritating, to be honest. I'm not telling people to be a certain way or that being overweight is better than being slimmer. Absolutely not. It's more to do with the fact that that's me. That's what I look like. And I just want to show that I'm out there living life and not letting it hold me back in the way that I know it holds a lot of other people mm. back and men and women, you know, it kind of stops people from getting out there and living their life. And I think that's always been the message that I, that I'd like to get across. Um, where does that leave me in terms of content? Now I have to say that in this time that I, I was deciding whether I did want to go ahead with the surgery or not, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time and kind of um, struggling with a little bit mentally. Um, I even, when I was having conversations with my surgeon who I did have the, the surgery with, I did sort of say to him, you know, I think my case is a little bit different in that this is not coming from a place of hating my body or hating myself. To the contrary, I quite like myself. I like the way I look. And I am I was kind of a little bit bothered about maybe getting a bit too thin. <laughs> a long way to go until we get to that point. But that's certainly something that I've been thinking about because being plus size, being curvy has always been such a big part of my DNA. But I think ultimately the message has always been about as you pointed out, about loving yourself at whatever stage of the journey you're at. I think there will be certain challenges that come with my rapidly changing body as well. And I think that it will be uh, maybe a slightly different angle um, on the content side. But ultimately, I had to kind of think to myself that I've got to live life for myself. I know that my followers will be there following along the way and coming along on this journey with me and we'll navigate it together and we'll see how things go. But the truth is that I really don't know how things are going to end up. I don't know what I'm going to be looking like at the end of the process once I've lost the weight or lost some weight. I don't know how it's going to make me feel. And I think it's going to be very interesting for people to come along on that journey with me and we'll figure it out together. But ultimately, I had to think about myself and my health and how I was feeling about things. And, um, and take that decision. I hope my followers will support me in that. Well, let me pick, before we come to your followers, let me pick mm. that apart a little bit yeah. more because you just said something really, really interesting. Right. You sat down with your surgeon yes. and you said to him, yes. I'm not doing this because I'm unhappy with yeah. myself. And you, you've built this hundreds of thousands 
of followers mm. and it's still a profile that's that's growing all yeah. the time yeah. as a plus size content mm. creator so that's not why you're doing this. No, so no. Wh why are you doing this? Mm, I what, think, what made that decision? Yeah. What made you say, I need to do something? Yes. Uh, anybody who's been following me will know that I've kind of had some ups and downs with my weight whilst I've been on Instagram. You know, whilst I've been a content creator, I've had ups and downs. Um, I was feeling really good about where I was uh, with my weight before my parents passed away. And then after that, um, I started to gain some weight and I started to feel a little bit, little bit uncomfortable. And I think that's something that I'd never really felt before with my weight. I never really felt very uncomfortable. I felt quite full of life, full of vitality, very energetic. It's never really held me back from doing much kind of physically, never really had any problems related to it. Obviously, I'm getting a little bit older. So, you know, we all know things change as the sands of time go oh, yeah. by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I also, something that I'm exploring at the moment is that I am working towards a formal diagnosis of lipidema. Um, I'm not sure we've spoken about this no, before. No, I don't even know what that is. What is that? Um, lipidema is a, it translates literally as a disease of the fat. And it basically means it's something like one in 11 women, um, one in 11 women suffer from lipedema. It's a very painful type of fat deposit that builds up in your arms and legs and gives your arms and legs a very characteristic shape, which I am. I mean, I am the poster child for lipedema. I'm somewhat lucky in that that has then helped me. Um, to have this hourglass shape that I'm kind of known for. So I don't carry so much weight around my waist, but it is a lot of it in my, in my arms and legs. And I felt as I've been getting older and I feel as I've been kind of going through this traumatic life experience, I just kind of felt that this lipedema was getting worse and worse. And it's painful and uncomfortable and kind of giving me this... Um, feeling that I'm dragging around this uncomfortable weight with me. Um, lipedema can somewhat be managed by lifestyle factors, but it's very difficult to see any change. In fact, some people will say that there is no change from any lifestyle factors whatsoever. It's a medical condition. The only way to really remove it is to have it cut out, um, to have a, a specific kind of water-assisted liposuction. It's extremely painful. One surgery is not normally enough, and it's pretty much always has to be done privately. So it's quite a new thing that people are talking about these days and becoming more aware of it never heard of it mm. and yet you're telling me this affects one in 11 yes, women one in 11 this women. is incredibly and common i think once you identify the sort of type of look of this lipedema you'll start to notice when people do have it it's quite interesting um and basically at my weight if i did want to have something, have some help with the lipedema. They would recommend that you have a weight loss surgery first to see where your weight settles and how the lipedema responds first and foremost, and then deal with the aftermath of that uh, further down the line. Another thing that I feel, and this is a little bit more woo-woo, a little bit, may maybe a little bit silly to some people, but perhaps it will resonate with some others who've been through some traumatic life experience. I just felt that all of this trauma that I've been going through in my personal life, um, the looking after my mum and seeing her through her cancer diagnosis and care, excuse me, <laughs> and everything that came along with that, um, her passing and then my dad's sudden passing after that as well and a few other things going on behind the scenes. I just felt that my body has been holding on so tight to all of this physical manifestation of this trauma. You know, they say that the body yeah. knows. Yeah. 
And obviously, as you mentioned, I already suffer from inflammatory arthritis and fibromyalgia, both conditions that are very much affected by your mental well-being, um, stress, stress hormones, um, stress triggers and so on. So I just felt that I couldn't shift this metaphorical weight along with the physical weight. It seemed like I was kind of trying to get myself back on track with things and to be a little bit... Um, healthier with my choices. And no matter what I was doing, I felt like I was kind of pushing up against a brick wall. So I just decided that it was time to get the monkey off my back and to give myself the opportunity to shed some of that weight that I felt was just weighing down so heavy on my shoulders and time for a new lease of life and a new era, basically. So that was kind of, you know, a big a big reason for me spiritually, if you want to call it that, why I felt that this was going to be the right thing for me. And speaking about my mum and dad, it's going to be hard not to get upset here, but when I was taking the decision to have the surgery, I just felt like I just really wanted to talk to my mum about it. Oh dear, always waterworks when we're on it. <laughs> waterworks, we've done this every show we've cried. Oh gosh, it's so hard, it's so hard. I'm sure, you know, a lot of your listeners will have a close relationship with their mum and know that the relationship that you have with your mum can be so special. And I just felt like I wanted her to tell me whether it was going to be the right thing to do. How does you navigate that with in the absence? I mean, for anybody, again, mm. anybody who's watching this, go back and watch the the interview that yeah. we had come out just just a couple of months ago because you you talk so powerfully about this trauma, this this yes. trauma of your mum passed away, and then just six weeks later, your father passes away, yes. literally from a broken heart. And for you, you're you're left in that situation where you've just lost both of your parents yes. and, and your mum had a prolonged mm. cancer um, journey. So how, I mean, I hadn't even thought of, and you're mentioning it now, mm. yeah, I hadn't even thought of, you, you're just about to take a life-changing yes. surgery, invasive to some extent yes. surgery. Yes. And I know from that interview, you're very, you have had a very close relationship with your parents. Yeah. So how how did you navigate mm -hmm. that? I think uh, I, I just sort of took my time with it. Um, I spent a lot of time talking about it over and over with my friends. <laughs> They're probably sick of hearing me talk about it now. But, you know, a lot of reflection. And I think, you know, everybody gets to a stage in life. It doesn't really matter whether you're 12 or 20 or 40, 50, whatever, where, you know, you, this relationship with your parents, you know, or, or this, this wanting, this needing for your mum. It's so emotional because I often think about when my mum was unwell, uh, her, her parents passed away a long time ago, but even when my mum was unwell, that she would ask for her mum and it's, I, I spoke about this on my TikTok recently, but it's such a bitter pill to swallow. It's such a kind of knife to the heart to see somebody longing for their mother, you know, and I think not to get political, but thinking about all the things that are going on in the world at the moment as well, you know, it's so, oh gosh, life is, uh, life can be full of pain, can't it? It can be. And for and you... Emily, I'm just going to say that one one of the reasons I keep coming back to to interview with you is because through all of these challenges that you've had, which is by far more than anybody's fair share, mm. and you have kept smiling, kept being resilient, kept pushing forward, and you've kept putting your best Emily out there. And for that... I think that is a remarkable testimony, not just to yourself, but it's also a remarkable story to share and encourage and empower other women. Because as you said, 
you know, you've lost your parents, you've been through these debilitating physical conditions, and yet you're still saying, I'm, I'm up, I'm still coming back, I'm still going to put out my very best. And, and that's why this whole journey of now where you're going to put yourself forward and put your best self forward yes. is really empowering and talking about it is really encouraging. Thank you for saying that. I, I feel that that's something that I can offer to the world, you know, in terms of showing that through the dark times, there's still some happiness to be had. There's still, you know, I'm not going out without a fight. Let's put it that way. I'm <laughs> not going down without a fight. But, um, you know, I would like to, I would like to point out that I'm, I'm not through talking about this. I don't want to encourage the same way I don't feel that I'm encouraging obesity, as people like to put it, or in encouraging an unhealthy lifestyle. I'm not encouraging people to go and have the surgery either. It's a very personal decision. It's a very serious operation. You've got to really think about what you want and how you feel in your body and, you know, and take the best decision for yourself at the end of the day. That's all you can do and and make the best decision decision for yourself and that's what i feel i've done after some reflection time and kind of thinking what uh what my mum and dad would have to say about it if i did put the points forward to them so and you've obviously gone through that rationale you just pointed that out that you were thinking about what would your mum and dad have said yeah. and, and obviously they would have been very proud i hope so i hope so don't start me off again <laughs> Bring the tissues. Where yes, the tissues? I know. But it's, it's something that I think about a lot um, with what I do. And I think um, I feel quite confident that I always try to be true to myself, whatever kind of phase I'm, I'm at at that time. I think one of the things that really struck me and struck me from the very first time I met you in the very first interview that we did together, and we've gone, we've gone through a, you know, three year journey. Yeah, I know yeah. it's amazing, isn't it? it is, yeah. But one of the things that struck me is that you have been incredibly open. Mm. And I, I have no doubt that through your openness, even with regards to this surgery and the, mm. the journey, the thought process that you're going through, it will encourage other women to either think about it or not think about it. Yeah. Because as you said, it's very invasive. It it's is. very serious surgery. And you've just mentioned, it's not something, oh, I've got the surgery and suddenly you've lost weight. No. It's everything else that goes with it yeah, as well. Yeah, that's right. But it is taking you on this journey and I want to continue talking about this journey a little bit. I, I'm going to ask a really basic question. Yes, go on. You have already lost significant weight. Mm, so yes, my two questions there, because yeah. we're going to talk about the followers in a second, but how has that impacted you on your day-to-day -day confidence? Mm. Do you feel confident, more Ooh, confident? That's yet? a good question. Because you're already a very confident yeah, woman. Yeah, I mean, happy in your I, own skin. I have to be. I have to be quite honest and say that no, not really. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I. I think I've always preached that you should be confident whatever stage you're at, and I think that I that's never been something that I've just kind of said. It's been something that I feel that I've been a living example of. And, and no, I don't think so. I think that, uh, I think that at the moment I'm surprised at how energetic I'm feeling in general, which is, that was a big surprise to me because I, I thought that because I would be eating so little that I wouldn't feel very energetic and that I would feel really fatigued, but surprisingly not. I'm feeling kind of full of beans. Um, but I don't really put that to the, to the weight loss. I think, um, it's all relative as well. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously for a lot of people watching this probably thinking, well, she's still got a long way to go. And, and I do, <laughs> but it's always been about putting your best foot forward at every stage of the journey. So no, I wouldn't say that I feel particularly more confident, but I'm feeling quite positive about the whole process and the whole, uh, I'm just feeling quite positive about life at the moment, I would say, which is a very nice change from those dark times. I think coming back to work after having had that, as you mentioned it, my disappearance, having had the time off you know, it's important to give yourself that time to to wallow, to to feel what you need to feel, to slob about, to kind of feel the feelings. But then when you're ready, it's time to get back to it. That's what I've done. And as 
work has become busier and, you know, my message is getting across to more and more people every day. I feel that gives me some strength and the confidence. I feel that kind of gives me a good boost and I find it to be very encouraging and very motivational. But you also mentioned that this surgery was almost a benchmark. It was a, okay, we're done with that. Mm. And now here's a new attitude, a new mm. approach. And I've been through all these, this terrible trauma. Yes. And it's kind of almost like a bit of a reset button. Yeah, I would say so. I think um, ultimately the, the truth of the matter is that I was struggling with managing my weight on my own. And I just kind of started looking around and seeing that a lot of people who were maybe in the same type of position as me, same kind of weight as me, seem to be getting some help with it. Mm. So obviously we've all, we know that it's uh, kind of been an epidemic of sorts of people on Ozempic and Manjaro and all of these weight loss injections and so on. Oh, wow. No, I don't know anything about this. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll be looking at that and Google later on. That's a very, um, you know, it's been quite a hot topic over the last year or so. A lot of people who you see a lot of like, I think this is actually something to talk about as well, that the reason I'd like to be quite open about things with my followers is that I don't Whilst I don't feel I owe anybody any kind of explanation about what I do with my body, I would like to be open if I am rapidly losing weight or having a changing body that I don't kind of say to people, oh, yeah, I just started, you know, eating more vegetables or started going to the gym. You know, I've been going to the gym for quite a long time. My mm -hmm. followers will know I've had quite a complex relationship with exercise with my chronic pain conditions, but I try to kind of maintain somewhat of a healthy lifestyle, but that doesn't always translate to weight you know just because somebody's overweight it doesn't mean that they live a completely sedentary and gluttonous uh, lifestyle <laughs> I mean certainly there's some episodes of that life's for living after all but um, you know it doesn't always reflect I think your lifestyle doesn't always reflect in in your physical so I think that's important to take into account but yeah there's a lot of celebrities for example at the moment who've always been bigger people and kind of known for that and all of a sudden as these drugs have come to market these weight loss drugs have come to market or weight loss surgery has become more and more accessible for people suddenly people are half the size that they were before and saying that you know it is they just started taking a 10 minute walk every morning and so on and i would never want my followers to kind of feel that i betrayed them in such a way i do feel that that's a little bit uh, disingenuous and um and dangerous and dangerous. And dangerous, because, yeah. Because social media, you know, there's a number of, of uh, social media accounts that I follow mm -hmm. who are very, very brutally honest about what social media is telling us we should be. And yeah. you've always, you know, fought that. You've always flown in the face of yes. that. And you are incredibly successful for being genuine. And one of the other followers that I, I follow after, uh, Delay Mercer Ritchie, is also Albeit she's a very beautiful, slim, slim woman. Yes. But she, she's very open about her cellulite. Well, that's and it's, it. That's just, we, we, yeah. We're faced with this crap all the time that's that is true. just disingenuous it is. and lies. It is. And I think, you know, that that's um, a point to what we were talking about earlier, that it doesn't matter where you are in your weight journey, whether you're overweight or not. We all have insecurities. And the message has always been about getting out there and not letting the insecurities hold you back, no matter what they are. I know plenty of ladies who maybe, you know, don't, don't have any issue with their weight or maybe who have an extra few kilos on them that they don't feel very comfortable with. But the point is, don't let that hold you back. So whether it's, you know, the 40, 50 kilos extra that I've got or the couple of kilos that somebody else has got, it can affect us all mentally in the same way. Exactly the same way. Yeah. I think every single woman, again, every single woman listening to this or watching this will identify whether they're currently very, very comfortable with themselves or have you know, managed to get to that point yes. through a long journey yes. or still feeling, you know, that mm. they have a challenge to go. I think every yeah. woman will identify with a point in their time, in their life, where they've 
are or have been uncomfortable with themselves. Yes, that's the way absolutely. that we are. Absolutely, and I think um, you know that that's something that I hope people can take from from following me. And I know that people do because I get messages about it all day, every day, from ladies and men who who have found some kind of message in my content that's given them the little push to do something slightly out of their comfort zone. Well, you said something else and it's just come back to me. You said on that interview that we last had and something else that resonated and has been sitting with me ever since. So you said in the last interview about how media perceives us as women and as men and the messages that we receive. Mm. And the fact, very fact that you had had men getting in touch with you and saying to you, who tells you that you should look like this? Mm. Who tells you that that you should behave like this? Because yes. they've been showing their, your account to, to their words. Fill that bit in for me because yes. you can articulate it better than me. I think what we were talking about is that, you know, the media tells us that, you know, men don't like cellulite, they don't like stretch marks, they don't like curves, they don't like this, that and the other. And that where has that messaging come from? Because the men that I'm interacting with on my page, you know, these thousands of people viewing my content, millions sometimes, sometimes, um, (laughs) are kind of coming to me and saying, who's told you that we don't like that? We do like that. So who is giving these messages to women? You know, it's a, it's a very kind of confusing space to, to navigate, I think. And I'll go back and reiterate what I said mm. right then. It's the multi-million or billion beauty indus- industry right. yeah. is, is where, the mo- where that message is coming from yeah. because that's where they're making their money. That's right, yes. So it's kind of, I suppose there is a big group of people who kind of are able to step outside of that and say, hang on, you know, in my heart of hearts, this is what I find attractive. You know, it's, it's very yeah. interesting. We have a, a nice expression in Maltese. I don't know if you ever heard it before, although... I'm sure people are going to make fun of my Maltese accent, but we say which means that's why the whole cow sells because there's something for everybody. Everybody likes a different part of the cow. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe not the best analogy, but you, you see what I'm saying. You're going to love Maltese. Everybody likes different things and there's no need to kind of say this is the one uh stand this is the one standard of beauty that we've got to operate to for time immemorial like it's just everybody likes something different so just just embrace it well you mentioned your followers i'm going to bring this all the way back we've taken a really nice kind of meandering journey through this conversation i'm going to bring it back to to your followers because i want to you mentioned just a minute ago that your followers are going to be going on this journey with you. Yeah. And when I asked you how will they respond, you said, I don't know, but we'll see. And yeah. we'll go through it together. And I think that's where this beautiful honesty is really important mm. because your followers have been part of your journey for for a good number of years yes. and they will see mm. uh, the change in you. But I want to talk about some comments that you've had mm. recently oh, yes. on your post because you've you've migrated onto TikTok, which is great. Yes. TikTok is doing really well, yeah, but your them. Instagram has now exceeded 300,000 followers, mm. which is a complete organic growth. And that yeah. is amazing. You only have to go onto your channels to see that your content is what's generating your followers and engaging with your followers least of all your tiny baked potato go on to tiktok see the 5.5 million <laughs> yes i think we're at 5.5 million views, views on, on this of this, all the videos this but, tiny you know i just have to say i love i love that post go on to tiktok have a look tiny jacket potato be one of those 5.5 million viewers on that please that post. We'll see you on tiktok it's at miss jones eats on tiktok we'll see you there cheeky plug (laughs) like it um but you have been receiving Mm. and reacting to yes some pretty dire negative feedback so i have two questions for you right on Actually, I'm going to say three. I'm going to ask all questions, all the questions at once. Okay. And then we'll tackle them one by one. Is this something that you as a plus size content creator have experienced since the beginning of Mm -hmm. your success? 
have you started to respond to them or are, let's put it another way are you getting more confident to respond mm. to those comments through the journey that you're on at the mm -hmm. moment and how are you seeing those comments affecting you mm. and what you do so let's start off with are, yeah. are these comments always um, happened I've always had a mixed bag of comments I think there's always a bit of an influx of them when maybe you're um, in some local press, for example, or you have an article come out or you're doing something with a little bit more exposure. But definitely since my my reach on Instagram at the moment has really had a, a boom in the last few months, um, I think my, my videos are just reaching a, an awful lot more people than they ever have before, which is obviously great as a content creator. You want people to see your content. Um, but I suppose with that, the wider the reach, the more people are going to have things to say. So I think it has been a, a lot more lately. Yes. Okay. okay. So there's more comments recently yeah, because the I'd reach is so. greater. Yeah. Yeah. Have the comments become more aggressive and yeah let's I quite feel, call it out atrocious yeah I feel that the comments lately have been quite shocking um I think the reason why I highlight them is because I think the bullies need to be called out to be completely honest I think that people are so happy to comment on things and to say disgusting things behind a keyboard where they can kind of hide themselves away behind their profile picture or they think that, um, you know, that they're doing some great justice to mankind by talking about how disgusting fat people are. Um, and I just kind of think, no, I'm going to post your name, your username, I'm going to post your comment and I'm going to show people and highlight just what a, a coward you are. And just find it shocking that you would ever say those things to anybody just for existing online as a plus size person. They basically seem to think that un unless you are constantly only talking about how much you hate your body and how much you need to be on a diet and that you, you, you add this kind of disclaimer to your content that I know I'm fat, but here's my opinion on something. Unless you're doing that, you're not allowed to exist online, not unashamedly just existing in a plus size body god forbid and god forbid you think you look good you know it's like this element i think we spoke about it last time of feeling that they have to kind of take you down take a down. peg or two which doesn't even relate to size you could be no any size. that's right anybody who is that's confident right. yeah. anybody who's out there that's and who's making it yeah is a target and i think sometimes you know with content you sometimes do have to be a little bit um Controversial isn't a little bit in, inflammatory, um, you know, but it's just interesting to see how wound up it gets people. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. So then my other question that I mentioned a second yeah. ago is, is has this process that you're going through at the moment, has that affected how you're responding to those comments? Um, Would you have ignored them in the past? Would you have just bypassed them in the past? Because I'm seeing more. Yeah. I'm seeing, I think, you said there's more comments. Uh, yes. But I are you feeling are more, more confident and empowered to respond to them? Or has that always been there? Um, I think it's always been there. I think to a certain extent, if there's a few comments, then whatever, I can kind of let it slide. But I think when they're kind of coming one after the other, after the other, in droves, all sort of, you know, um, insisting that you're disgusting and that you must stink and this and that and that you obviously don't take care of yourself. And I'm like, excuse me, have you seen my skin? Have you seen my hair? What's telling you that a fat person never takes care of themselves. Do you know what I mean? They've just got this idea that fat people are just these slobs who never do their skincare, don't wash themselves, don't take care of themselves. And it's like, come on, give me a break. Just because you're overweight doesn't mean that you don't have any respect for yourself. It's just one element of being a person on this planet that's spinning around in the universe. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh gosh, it's so, I think that winds me up. That winds me up the no. most. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just yeah, think it's this, it's this trope, you know, that fat people are sitting around on the sofa all day, shoveling crisps and hamburgers into their mouth, getting up once a week to maybe potter to the shower and, you know, that they are not 
washing their nooks and crannies. It's just horrible. And it's just so ridiculous. And I think it's just, you know, I mean, you could call me many things, but I don't think you could call me a slob. So it's just like, where where is this coming from? It's just ridiculous. Emily, aside from being a content creator, and I'm asking you as a person. Yes. As a content creator, you respond to the, this abuse, online abuse, beautifully. You call out these comments. You don't let them slide. You identify who they are, mm. and you come back and you say, "You're going to bully yeah. me. I'm going to put. I'm going to put you out there, and you're going to have to pay for that." But you, as a woman, as an individual, when you're sitting there mm. on a Thursday night and you're thinking about how your week has been and what you're doing on the weekend, yes. and you see those comments. Yes. How does that affect you as a person? Oh, because I, um, I think a lot of people, when they see content creators, forget that they are actual people who have their own challenges yeah. and their own yes. vulnerability. Yes, sure. I mean, to a certain extent, sometimes it might kind of get to you in some ways, but... I do feel that through doing this, being in this line of work, that, you know, my skin has toughened up a lot with it. So I'm certainly not kind of sitting around thinking about it in relation to myself and my own body confidence and my own confidence in myself. It's more that I find it upsetting and sad knowing that there are other people out there who might be getting the same types of comments or who see those comments on my posts and think to themselves, oh gosh, that's that must be what people think about me. Um, that's the type of thing that kind of gets me. And I also just kind of feel a little bit like just live and let live, you know, just accept that some people find different things attractive and that you don't just have to kind of fit this cookie cutter and that not all fat people are dirty and I say that they are those comments have been really, really atrocious. Haven't yeah, they? I, I find them to be quite shameful. And another comment that I've started getting a lot is a lot of people talking about how I'm not going to live to see thirty. It's like, okay, well, I'm I'm well past thirty at this point, but thank you, Botox. Um, <laughs> so I take that as a compliment. But you know, talking about how um, you're not going to be around any longer to be a, a nuisance anyway, so don't worry about it. And I just think it's disgusting. It's like you're wishing something so horrible on to somebody um and i just think i just think it's pathetic but is there any ever any comeback when you call these people out do they come back do they um, know they're being sometimes out? sometimes yeah sometimes they double down sometimes they kind of might delete their comments which is quite quite a common one um but at the end of the day if people want to have the conversation you know, I think it kind of highlights that we still, as a society, have an awful lot of work to do mm. with regards to respecting diversity and and respecting that people are different from one another and that not only one thing can be true about people. I love what you said just a minute ago about, okay, you have a, a metaphorical thick skin or a tougher mm. skin, but you're also concerned about the influence that that their comments have yeah. on other people who are in their positions. And one yes. thing that we've been talking throughout this interview, but every single interview that I've done with you, I keep coming back and saying, those people making those comments don't know your journey. They haven't taken time to invest to understand yeah. your journey. And yes. whether or not, you know, you just mentioned, you've, you've accelerated past 300,000 mm. uh, followers on Instagram. So it's unlikely that the people making the comments have taken the time to go back yeah. and see your post from from previous. That's right. Actually, that's that can that can also be a frustrating part of it because I kind of think to myself, I know that if they knew me in person or they even, you know, had had any kind of interaction with me in person that I'm none of the things that they're talking about or that they're trying to push on to me. But at the end of the day, I think you've just got to accept that you can't explain yourself to everybody and just accept that it's kind of part of the job. It comes with it and that's it. People are going to think what they want to think and you've got to let it go. But I know that my followers who've been with me on this journey, I know that they know what type of person I am. But yes, it's uh, it's sometimes a little bit of a difficult pill to swallow when you can see that somebody doesn't understand what you've been through. Um, I had a comment the other day talking about how, 
you know, this is this is a whole other topic of conversation about how, you know, content creation isn't a real job. And <laughs> that that type of that type of comment. And um, you know, telling me that I need to stop something like stop searching for validation on the internet or that my con that's what my content is, is searching for validation from people. And I think to myself, you know, you couldn't be further from the truth, but whatever. Um, and that I sort of, I don't know, it just kind of caught me and I felt a little bit irritated. And I, so I responded and said, you know, I was never on social media before I started doing this professionally. You know, I, I was never interested in social media. I have a very small social circle um, and kind of said, well, this is my job, you know, do you, when you, when something goes wrong with your job, do you just, do you just throw the towel in? Like if you run into problems in your career, the same way I'm not going to suddenly not be on the internet because I'm getting a few nasty comments, mm. you know? Mm. So then the kind of comeback is like, oh, this is your job. Don't be so ridiculous. How oh, you think it's your job? It's like, I don't know what's so funny about it. This literally, this is what pays my bills. This is my job. I do this full time. Um, and I had a comment about how, you know, well, you, uh, if you really think this is a real job, then, you know, you've never experienced working or how are you going to survive when the interest isn't there anymore and this and that. And I just kind of think to myself, sir, if you knew what I have been through in my life <laughs> and how, you know, I had a stable office job that I lost from one day to the next because of ill health, you know, thinking that that's some, had some, some level of stability. It's like, don't worry about it. Whatever life throws my way, I know I'm going to be fine. So don't push that narrative onto me. But you know, it's kind of uh, people have this idea about you that's just so skewed, it can be kind of frustrating. But as I say, at the end of the day, it's not really my job to explain myself to everybody. So what is it that they say? Other people's opinion of you is none of your business. So, I like that. <laughs> say that one again. I didn't, I didn't call no, no, that no, no, phrase. No, 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 but way. I like it. Other but people's the, uh, opinion of you, you is, is none, none of your, of your business. business. Just whatever. People are always going to have something to say, aren't they? So that, let them say it. And that's it. The people who are closest to you or the, the important people know, you know, know what the, the truth of the matter is, know what you're like as a person. And that's what you've got to kind of fall back on. You know, I was going to end this interview by asking you for a closing comment. I can't think of a better <laughs> comment than that. That yeah. other people's opinion of you is none of your business. Mm. I love that. Yeah, it's a good one, I think. Unless they're being extremely rude, in which case we will answer them back and bring some light to their nasty little comments. I mean, you know, there has got to be some degree of conducting yourself in in some kind of respectable way online, certainly. But, but that comes down to accountability. Yeah. And what you're doing mm. is you're calling out bad behavior and yeah. holding that person to account yes. for that, you know, despicable things that they've said. Yeah. Emily, Miss Jones, what does the future hold for you? Where are you going both on, I'm going to take this on two, two avenues. Sure. Where are you going with the journey of your gastric bypass, yes. your, your physical journey? Yes. Uh, what is the end goal there? Hmm. And where are you going with you as Miss Jones? So I think with the gastric bypass, I'm very much taking this kind of day by day. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out, actually, is that I don't really believe in before and afters with this journey that I'm on. Don't really want my followers to ever see that I saw myself in a in a negative light before and that this is my transformation and here I am now in a better place it's just different I, I would just be slightly different and I will say that that came out very clearly good. through this interview because good yeah you know half an hour ago yes we've been going that long <laughs> and then some <laughs> but you you very categorically yeah. said you did not take this surgery because you weren't confident no and no, you did at all and you felt bad about yourself or you had a, a poor opinion of yourself no. which is why i said okay mm. why are you doing it and of course you articulated that so yeah yeah so with with the weight loss 
procedure. There's not going to ever be any befores or afters. Also, why do people, when they take their before photo, always have their hair up in a scrunchie, no makeup on, standing with their gut hanging out? And they put Vaseline through their hair to make it really bad. That's what I I mean. We're not going to have any of that. Love myself before, will love myself during, and love myself after. That's the whole point of this. Um, We'll see how it goes. I don't know where we're going to end up. I mean, to be honest, the conversations that I've been having with my surgeon are... What if I get too thin and I don't like it? I like being curvy. I don't want to be, you know, to get too thin, but I don't think we're going to have too much of a problem there, but we'll see how things end up. As I say, I'm documenting the journey. I've been posting lots of day in the lives and vlogs on my TikTok. So if people want to come and follow me there, I would love to see you there. she's at it again. (laughs) But, you know, I'm kind of, I'm trying to give an honest uh, account of things. So far, I've found, found things to be quite smooth sailing. I know that there's going to be some difficulty with the, the, what's the word I'm looking at? Consolidating the the mind and the physical, you know, it's not always there because sometimes you kind of go out and see something or smell something that seems delicious and you, and you want to have it, but you know, you can't eat it. So it's kind of strange that you've still got that desire Mm. there. But I think over time, that kind of it sort of the surgery tool helps to reset your habits so that you're kind of leaning towards a healthier lifestyle all around. Um, so we'll see where we go, but I'll be documenting it every step of the way. So TikTok. yeah, follow me on TikTok <laughs> at Miss Jones Eats. You might have seen my quite controversial videos on there about We Are Maltese. If you haven't, go and watch them. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and with with regards to my personal brand, Miss Jones is leaning very much into the travel content at the moment, very much want to show people all of the adventures that I'm going on in the world and showing that you can do that as a plus size person as well and that you deserve to live confidently and to get the most out of life. I would like to take my followers with me along on these adventures and also show people around Malta. People have been very interested all about Maltese culture, Maltese history, and all of our wonderful and quirky traditions. So I'd love to lean into that a little bit more and become more of a poster girl for our beautiful islands. And yeah, and hopefully travel around the world and take everybody with me along the way. So yeah, I'll come. (laughs) <laughs> Emily, that thank would be you. great <laughs> listen thank you so much for coming and sharing this new part and stage of your journey yes thank I you for having me wait to see what adventures you're going to be going on over the next six months and years we're going to stay in touch because i think there's some exciting things coming up this i year. think so i think so yeah it's going to be very interesting to see how things pan out and also i'm anticipating that with a rapidly changing body that there's going to be certain other insecurities that might come up, you know, so let's see how we navigate that. You know, it's a new era. Let's see how it goes. 